every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino and... Oh, shit. Oh, dear. What's better than this? Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It is Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs of the Draft Network, and we are your hosts on this Wednesday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast, digging in to the AFC West when it comes to our up-and-comer series. Kyle, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. Uh, plugging along here, I've got all but three of my position groups settled in the Big Ten as it relates to my top fives, uh, which is one of the content pieces that we are working on for the Draft Network. Uh, do you feel any feel really good about any position groups in the ACC? Linebackers. Linebackers. And, and, yeah, the linebackers there are good. Um except not Shaq Quarterman. So that's oh. the kind of the banner guy for my, the Miami kid. Everyone kind of hypes up, and you, you look at some way-too-early mock drafts, and you're always going to see Shaq Quarterman. And uh, he is not one of the best linebackers in the ACC. There's some other dudes that I was really excited about, but I'm a little mad because I've got four position groups left to do, and so I didn't, I didn't like to hear that you were, you were at three. So you're, you're a little ahead of me right now. Yeah, it's a hard life, I know. Um, so would you say Quarterman's the worst of the three linebackers for Miami? I like Pickney better than him. Yeah. Yeah, I um, like Pickney too. Quarterman's a lot like, jeez, uh, uh, Malik Jefferson from last year, where you, you see some athletic ability, some straight line stuff, and when you know, he's got a clear path to football, and he can make some really nice plays in the backfield. But just keep watching him on a snap-to-snap basis, and uh, you're not going to find a first-round linebacker there. I'll tell you what, uh, Big Ten interior offensive line group. Uh, there's some ho- there's some horses up front, and three of them are on the Wisconsin Badgers. So, 
<laughs> and I think the best offensive tackle in the Big Ten is one of the Wisconsin offensive tackles. So stacked. This this offense, Jonathan Taylor behind it, like he's probably gonna rush for two thousand yards again. Like he's he's gonna be tear on the doorstep if he stays healthy. They're just. Are, are you ready? Put guys in Wait, the ground. Are, are you ready to 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 claim? Uh, you've been talking up Wisconsin for. Several days now. Are you ready to call them your pick to win the Big Ten right now? No, because Alex Hornibrook's their starting quarterback. The take that I put on Twitter was Wisconsin could trade quarterbacks with about half of the conference right now, and not only would I peg them to win the Big Ten, I would peg them to be in the college football playoff. But Alex Hornibrook is their starting quarterback, and so because of that, Wisconsin will do what this year? Probably win 10 or 11 games, probably play in and lose the Big Ten championship game, and then probably win their New Year's Day Bowl. It's the same so, script we've like seen from the Badgers. Season, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Badgers of the past decade. It's the yeah. same recipe. But uh, I I will say this. I was very surprised at the wide receiver depth for the Wisconsin Badgers. They've got some pass catchers that are really athletic. And uh, thank God, because Hornybrook is going to make them work, dude. Uh, Speaking of the Big Ten, Joe, I I want to talk about one more thing quickly before we talk about the the AFC West, if that's all right with you. Uh, Big Ten media availability. Coach Jim Harbaugh came out and proposed he wanted to expand the college football playoff from four games to potentially eight or 16, the more merrier. Your thoughts on the subject are what? Well, from, from Harbaugh specifically, I think he just wants to get in. So he needs more spots. He needs to go past 16. He needs to go to 32. Uh, man, uh, interesting topic, man. It's, it's July and we're already talking about this. Um, I don't hate it as is. The way that I would do this is uh, I, I do go to eight teams. Uh, all five Power Five Conference Championships champions are in. You have three wild cards, and if you are an undefeated uh, non-Power Five FBS team, you get you, you're automatically guaranteed one of the spots. I think that's how you make everyone happy. And the UCFs of the world don't have what happened to them last year. And the you know last year it was. Uh, big, you know, it was Ohio State and whatever other team that escapes my mind right now. Um, you know, there was a debate between the two of them, and uh, you kind of settle all that. Give me, the, give me the three wild cards, the five Power Five conference champions, and then one of those wild cards is automatically given to an undefeated non-Power Five FBS school. Yeah, and I mean, UCF probably would have played. Mm. They probably would have played a top seed. Like they probably would have been the eight, right? Like they just because yeah, just yeah. because they aren't a power five team, they're they're probably slotted at the bottom, and they have to come in and play a top seed. Um, Harbaugh's solution, by the way, was to expand to sixteen and get rid of conference championship games. Yeah, why? So that Michi- the, yeah, so Michigan can stand a chance. Well, because they're in that. They're in that. Uh, they're in the division the of death. Penn State yeah. would just recruit like crazy right now, right? 
Dude, I I'm sitting here. I'm I've got the uh, the Lindy's College Football National Preview in front of me, and uh, they have the top twenty recruits that were rated coming into the Big Ten. Thirteen of them went to Ohio State. Six of them went to Penn State, and one went to Michigan. That's not good. I I just made note on. It's funny you said that because I just made note on that the other day. It was holy cow. First of all, Ohio State is cleaning up with 13 of the top 20 incoming recruits. Penn State, good for you. You got six. And Michigan got one. And Michigan's was the number 20 rated prospect. So of the top 19 incoming recruits, Penn State and Ohio State took all of them. One of my takeaways from this is that all 20 of them went, the top 20 guys all went to three teams? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, well, Wisconsin's MO is they like to take, like, two-star uh, high school quarterbacks and convert them to other spots and then to end up being really freaking good football players. Like, Ryan Connolly was an unrecruited zero-star high school quarterback. Their offensive tackle, Edwards, who's probably the top tackle in the Big Ten, uh, was a two-star high school quarterback. Came in at tight end his freshman year at 240, and now he's up to like 320 because they put God knows what up in the water in there in Mad Wisconsin. That's wild. I, I need to. You've gotten me fascinated right now. I'm as soon as we get done recording this podcast, I'm going to start looking at these conference by conference list and see if there's that much the recruiting trends. Know. Yeah, if it's if literally that's there's how many teams in the Big Ten? Twelve or fourteen? 14 teams, yeah. 14, and the top 20 recruits, all of them went to three schools. That's crazy. Hold That's on. Crazy. My producer's doing the, the ACC for you right now. If You, you oh, just want to well, keep talking for just a hot sec. Yeah, very, very curious to see how this goes. I'm guessing Clemson's going to uh, you know, claim a lot of those. But I think it's got to be more, you know, more disparity. I'd be really surprised if not. There is Hopefully. definitely more disparity. Okay. Uh, Miami's probably doing pretty well for themselves with Mark Richt. Miami somewhat recruits itself, right? All right, so we've got one, two, three, four, five different teams representing the ACC for top 20 incoming recruits for the, the 2018 season. Uh, top team is Clemson with eight, including the top four, and four of the top five. The second best recruiting team in the ACC is the Miami Hurricanes with six. The Florida State Seminoles have three. Joe, get this. This this one blows my mind. The North Carolina Tar Heels have two. And the NC State Wolfpack have one. Larry Fedora, man. Get, getting some names in there. Look, in North Carolina, they just they just uh, move you along academically, right? They, they just make up classes and grades for you. So, yeah, Do they, though? Because we're talking about how football doesn't cause cushions, which doesn't cause brain damage. It's kind of Larry's Larry's rant in ACC media days. Let's so. talk about the AFC. Oh, Joe's not biting. I like it. That's smart. <laughs> let's move on. AFC West, Kyle, continuing the up-and-comers. We're talking about young guys set to take on promising or prominent roles for the respective franchises. We did the NFC West yesterday. We're keep, keeping things out West today, and uh, I'm going to lead us off. I'm going to lead us off on this one, Kyle. Uh, really curious on some of these Los Angeles Chargers offensive players. All these guys they drafted last year, the top ten pick, wide receiver Mike Williams, injuries all year. Uh, you know, how does he fit in? Uh, 
Tyrell Williams and, and uh, Keenan Allen seem like they're you know pretty solid duo outside. And so, how does Mike Williams factor into this equation and uh, and, and command some of the share of the targets? And you know, there was concerns about him as a separator coming out of uh, out of Clemson, and so. Uh, you know, we'll see how that translate this year. It's going to be a big deal for him. But uh, for me, I get really excited about these interior offensive linemen. Dan Feeney, uh, Forrest Lamp. Forrest Lamp missed the entire year last year with an injury after starting 5 million games in a row in college without an injury. Uh, it's just how it goes sometimes. But uh, for that, you know, I think he was a top 15 player on my draft board last year, and I think that, you know, I was excited about him last year, and there's no reason to think that he can't come in and, and claim one of those interior spots and be a really solid football player, really like his technique. Uh, like, like, you know, he just, he's just really – he's just a technician. He's not necessarily a big-time mauler like I think you can get from Dan Feeney, but in terms of just being an absolute technician, you get that in Forrest Lamp. And then Feeney's a guy that I love. That dude's an ass-kicker. And uh, so really excited about those two guys on the interior of this offensive line working with Anthony Lynn, who has historically been associated with dominant rushing attacks. So Melvin Gordon behind two guys up front, as well as, uh, you know, seeing how Mike Williams fit into fits into this offense is something I'm uh, very anxious to see in, uh, in this coming season. Yeah, the uh, target distribution there in L.A. is going to be really a fascinating with Hunter Henry going down for sure, Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I look at this division, conversation for a newcomer stepping into a big-time role starts and ends with Patrick Mahomes, right? Uh, Mahomes, yeah. who was a, a top-15 selection at quarterback uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs, who, who traded up and gave up uh, a prominent number of picks to go up and get Patrick Mahomes. Uh, they, they subsequently parted ways with Alex Smith after giving Mahomes uh, a meaningless start in Week 17 uh, at the end of last season in the regular season. Uh, Smith moving on to Washington, Mahomes stepping into this offense uh, with, with really uh, an impressive group of wide receivers with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Chris Conley and Demarcus Robinson, who had a, a ton of athletic potential coming out of the University of Florida. The best tight end in football in Travis Kelsey. Oh, and by the way, they have the uh, 2017 rushing champion in Kareem Hunt in the backfield. So Mahomes is stepping into just a terrific situation. It's what what kind of uh, learning experience did he take away from his rookie season? How well can he transition that into a full-time starter role? How greedy does he get? I think that's the big thing with Patrick is like the the trust mm-hmm. in the arm and the, the gunslinger mentality is he's going to see a throwing window and he might not he might know uh if I play it by the book, I probably shouldn't throw it. <laughs> but he's going to think he can throw it in. And uh, th- those are going to result in some wow plays, and they're going to result in some frustrating turnovers. So it's it's which end of the spectrum do we fall on more frequently? How can he harness and really gather that mentality and channel it appropriately because that was my primary concern with Mahomes coming out of Texas Tech was that this kid's just a wild stallion and we're going to find out you know how well can he play within the structure of an offense and uh, can he make the most of that freelance and big play mentality without taking away from quote-unquote staying on schedule. Kyle there's some young pass catchers for the Denver Broncos that is going to be really interesting to monitor how they fit into the mix this year. Now, we know about Demarius Thomas. We know about Emmanuel Sanders. But around them, you've got 
Carlos Henderson, Louisiana Tech wide receiver, third-round pick from 2017, basically missed the season with some injuries. But uh, he's a guy that I liked a ton coming out, really special after the catch. And I think he plays a lot bigger than his size. Thought he was a dream slot receiver for them. And uh, we'll see what he does this year. Now you think about also they invested a pretty high pick this year in Cortland Sutton, who was my top-rated wide receiver coming out of the 2018 class. You've got Deshaun Hamilton. I know that everybody loved him as a route runner and how exciting he is in terms of uh, his ability to get loose in the secondary. You know, got to become a more consistent uh, finisher. But uh, that's five receivers, Kyle, right there that I just named that are interesting and have a lot of upside to make plays this year, three of those guys being young and, and certainly uh, need what they can become. But then also look at this tight end thing. With, with Jake Butt, he basically took – uh, a redshirt rookie season sitting out the year with that torn ACL. But remember the playmaker he was at Michigan. And, um, you know, what you think about Case Keenum stepping in as that quarterback and, and him being able to rely on Jake Butt is something that we saw, you know, he wasn't afraid to, to you know, hook up with Kyle Rudolph in Minnesota. Last. So Jake Butt from, you know, relatively, you, it's easy to forget about him because he didn't do anything this year. Now he's healthy and ready to make an impact. And there are a lot of young guys, a lot of veterans in, in the mix here in the receiving game for, for Denver. And so Case Keenum's got some weapons, just kind of curious to see, you know, which ones he trusts and, and where that where that target distribution lies. Yeah, I think, Joe, this this is one of the more interesting divisions that we've so far. As far as a lot of the dynamics and the young guys, uh, there's a lot of them. You know, as I'm looking over this Denver Broncos roster, I look at a guy like Shane Ray, who was a first-round pick in 2015, struggled with some injuries. Uh, he's since had four wrist procedures. Uh, I'm sorry, three wrist procedures. He actually just opted out of a fourth wrist procedure uh, this spring uh, in order to undergo a rehab uh, program to fix an ailing wrist that's bothered him all the way back to uh, the end of last season. And, uh, you know, the, there's some writing on the wall here that suggests, you know, it's put up or shut up time for Shane Ray with, with the Broncos taking uh, Bradley Chubb inside the top five. And they've got some guy named Von Miller on the other side to rush the passer. So uh, pass a lot of pass rush is a good thing to have. It's a good problem to have. But Shane Ray, uh, being a guy that had a first-round pick contract, there's some reasonable money tied up in a guy like Shane Ray, and, and he has not performed to the expectations and standards that you would want for a first-round pick. So Ray, who's been battling getting healthy, and he's been in a wrist brace and several surgical procedures, and now he's in rehab for it. Uh, it's a big year for Shane Ray in 2018. He's going to have to try and you know, get this, this health issue right and then he's going to have to go out and perform and perform very well if he wants to stay and be a part of the Denver Broncos in the long term. And even then, it's a question of you know, dollars and cents. Does it make sense with, with Von Miller and his massive contract and, and now Bradley Chubb, uh, who's probably uh, – I'm not familiar off the top of my head if he's signed or not, but uh, there's a lot of guaranteed money that's being handed out to these top 10 picks this year, Joe. So the Broncos are going to have some money wrapped up in Bradley Chubb and guaranteed money as well. So uh, Shane Ray's got his work cut out for him if he's going to really make an impression and make the Broncos feel like he's a player they have to keep around. Bradley Chubb's good, man. That's been I've been watching so much ACC tape, getting ready for the season, focusing on the ACC early on, and 
watching these offensive linemen try to block that dude, man, he just he just destroyed offensive linemen, and I'm excited for him this year. Uh, Kyle, the Oakland Raiders are in this division, um, so we probably should talk about this. This is the last year you can say that. Yes. That's officially happening next year? Next year they're the Las Vegas Raiders? I believe so. Okay. All right. Well, I guess I'll just have to – I did good with the Chargers. I thought I – you know, all things considered, we, we talk about – Football every day on this podcast. I felt like I did good with the Los Angeles shift there. Uh, but the player, the young player that's exciting for me there, Gary and Conley, their first-round pick uh, last year. He basically missed his rookie season with that chronic shin injury that was giving him problems all year. But, you know, I think it wasn't hard to watch him at Ohio State and say that this guy has the traits of a number one corner in the NFL. Uh, he wins in a variety of techniques, whether techniques, whether it's press, zone, man. He's got ball skills. He tackles. And uh, he's a guy that can really line up against these uh, these really talented receivers that exist in the division. You think about the Marius Thomas, you think about Sammy Watkins, you think about Keenan Allen, and you need a guy like Gary and Conley to, to to neutralize those dudes. And so I really like what he offers. Uh, excited to see him healthy, and think he has big time upside. He's a guy already that uh, I love listening to John Gruden uh, talk. So I, I have reasons to listen to his press conferences. And uh, he 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 Ray Conley already. He's a Colton special. So uh, anxious to see how he uh, he acclimates himself this year because this secondary at corner they got a bunch of just very uninspiring options at corner outside of him. So they need him to step in right away to be that true number one. Gary on Conley just looks like a cornerback, Joe. Mm, no, uh, a little John Gruden, a little a little Chucky action. Was that? Oh, wait, wait, that was your John Gruden. I thought yeah. that was. Your, uh, I thought. <laughs> I thought that was your Charlie Casserly. No, no, I don't have a Charlie Casserly in the repertoire yet, but uh, that might be one I have to work on. All right, I'm gonna. Get, I'll give you my Gruden just because I feel like we need to neutralize this a little here. So, all right, here it is. Yeah, man, that Gary and Conley, that's a special guy right there, man. That's, that's very good. Now, can can you, as John Gruden, remind me uh, if Kyle Krabs had Gary on Conley on his my ultimate team for the AFC West? Tell you, tell you what, man. If uh, if I recollect collect correctly, I, I think that uh, you did pick uh, Gary and Conley. That was a little bit of surprise there because you 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 overlooked uh, Chris Harris. What's that guy's name again? Chris, Chris Harris. Harris, best corners in the league. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. The the entertainment value on this podcast is just through the roof. The last Frank Caliendo has nothing to worry about. I think mm, is what we just learned. There. No, he's... yeah, he's he's going to do just fine. Uh, I want to bring it back to the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to talk about a guy on the defensive side of the football, uh, Reggie Ragland, Joe. <laughs> much maligned Reggie Ragland because he was a very poor decision to be made for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, when the Bills drafted Raglan, then he traded in, in August of last year, almost one year ago, to the Kansas City Chiefs. And lo and behold, you put Reggie in a role in which he's not the sole inside linebacker. And he's got a really good guy next to him now in Kansas City and Anthony Hitchens, which Chiefs fans should be really excited about. But you get a little bit more of an athletic guy next to him. And Reggie's pretty darn good in this defensive system. So Reggie, you know, kind of a career revival getting out of the system in Buffalo, which, you know, forced him to kind of 
be a square peg in a round hole and athletically doesn't fit and doesn't have range and he can't really do anything other than just be a, a gap plugger and you know if they need to go to nickel he's he's the guy that should come off the field and uh here we are Reggie Ragland having himself a a little bit of a career rebirth and want to see him continue that positive momentum and a guy next to him in Anthony Hitchens should really help Ragland show off his physicality between the tackles yeah he just needs he needs straight lines to the to the ball <laughs> that's what you need he's i think the most disappointing thing about the uh, about Reggie Ragland is just how bad he is playing through contact. When you think about a downhill hammer like that, I want a guy that can you know stack blocks and, and work off of them and just plug gaps. And Ragland just uh, he's soft playing through contact. Um, let's see here, Kyle. Uh, there's a lot of different directions I can go here. Let's see the one that I want to. How about Desmond King? Um, this this Charger secondary is really freaking good. And obviously playing behind that ridiculously good pass rush and Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa, you know, you're going to make a lot of corners look good and a lot of safeties look good. But really love the, the role that King carved out immediately for him. And, you know, it wasn't hard to watch his tape at Iowa and realize that he's a really good DB. But then you can kind of question how he fits because he is a scheme-specific player. Uh, but, you know, how he fits at the next level. But they allowed him to do some versatile things working a lot in the nickel situations, playing in, in some uh, intermediate zones and stuff like that. He's a good tackler, using him in that capacity, blitzing. He made some plays in the backfield. And uh, they, they've they really tapped into Desmond King and his skill set and how he wins. And, uh, you know, I think that he's he's kind of like a little bit under the radar because this, this defensive back class 2017 was so good. But that dude's already carved out a niche, and he's a valuable player. And I'm, I'm really excited to see, you know, as – as they continue to get to know him and how he wins, just him continuing to make plays for the Chargers. And so uh, I think that he's really going to become an appreciated player more so this year. Uh, Joe, we have the all-2012 running back group in Oakland with Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin as the top top two backs. As I'm I'm looking at this depth chart for the Raiders, I did want to talk about a player. Uh, This is my parting player here. I am so here for Ryan Switzer bumping Seth Roberts from the slot role with the Raiders. Uh, Switzer, bum rap, right? Gets drafted by the Cowboys, traded for Jihad Ward in a head-up deal. Uh, Dallas did you dirty, Swiss, and and I am still very much in on Ryan Switzer. Um, He's now in a wide receiver room that has three really prominent guys outside that that win with varying degrees in in different areas of the field with Jordy Nelson and Amari Cooper and Martavis Bryant, who's a big vertical guy. Swiss is going to have room to eat. And Jared Cook uh, currently listed as starting tight end, so uh, his ability to command targets in the middle of the field isn't necessarily something I'm buying high on. So uh, Ryan Switzer, if he's able to push Seth Roberts out of that slot role, uh, I'm really excited to see what, may come with this Derek Carr-Ryan-Switzer combination because he might be that safety blanket over the middle of the field because you you really can't cover Ryan Switzer. He's like the cloned Cole Beasley, just grit and short area quickness, right? And and those two guys kind of cut from the same cloth, so maybe that was part of the reason why Dallas was willing to to move on because they have have another guy that can fulfill the same role and – 
if Oakland wants to trade for him and give away a player that you know has not been working out for them, then that gives me some hope that Oakland has a, a vision for a player like Ryan Switzer. Kyle, the last player I want to talk about today, I'm not doing a lightning round like I've done to close out these others, but uh, I'm keeping it with the Raiders, and I'm keeping it in the wide receiver core, and I'm talking about Amari Cooper. And uh, he's only 24 years old. He just turned 24 in June, so this is a young player. And, uh, you know, his rookie season was productive, but the drops were a problem, right? Then his, his sophomore season, you kind of thought, like, wow, there he is. This is the guy that they took high in the draft to be a number one receiver. And then last year, 14 games, 48 receptions, 680 yards, and, uh, you know, he really regressed. And so, you know, Michael Crabtree is no longer there. They bring in Jordy Nelson, uh, Derek Carr obviously in place in this John Gruden system. Amari Cooper needs to become that number one receiver again. And, uh, you know, he's got a plenty of talent. He can separate. He can, he's can. he got good good hands, it seems, except for, you know, he's, he's got those concentration lapses. And so I know that he's got the physical ability to be what Oakland needs him to be, but he needs to do that with consistency. And so it's it's kind of crazy to look through just his three-year career and see, you know, evaluate those ebbs and flows and see how many downs there were. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm looking for him to put it all together here and, and certainly with – you know, his, his fifth season coming up and all the potential for the big deal, he's going to have to prove himself consistent, and that starts in 2018. So very anxious to see Amari Cooper this year. Folks, there you have it. Another episode of the Draft Dudes in the books. Uh, we'd like to thank you for tuning in. Make sure you follow along, hit that subscribe button, and uh, keep on listening. You know, we've, we've got some big moves coming up. Uh, we got big plans for the podcast, some uh, – some changes you guys can look forward to, but you can always find us at this location. You know, so make sure you, you take advantage of that and, and keep that on your radar uh, as we bring you daily NFL Draft content uh, throughout the course of your work week and, and hope that we can help your week go by just a little quicker so we're another weekend closer to the start of the college football and NFL seasons couple reminders for you. Uh, we are on social media. Uh, Joe is at the Joe Marino on Twitter. I am at grinding the tape on Twitter. Almost gave you the old handle there, Joe. Had to catch myself. Uh, mm. But uh, grinding the tape, which is what we are doing, all of us at the Draft Network, where we are working very, very hard to get ready for our August 6th launch and, and are so excited to bring that to you guys. Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. And thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan. It has Hulu, Tidal Premium, 15 gigabytes, mobile hotspot, and full HD. Atlas, we need to shout that from the rooftops. Best deal ever. I didn't mean literally. Switch to Sprint's Unlimited Plus plan for just $42 per line. But hurry, for a limited time, it's now $22 per line when you bring or buy your own phones. Visit Sprint.com slash Unlimited or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Price with $5 per month auto pay discount. One Hulu limited commercial plan for Sprint account. Features differ. Offer coverage not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new line subject to credit. $30 activation fee speed. Maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Bienvenido a Kaiser Permanente. El doctor ya te puede ver. Verá que aunque eres muy activo, ahora te cansas más rápido de lo normal. Verá que a menudo almuerzas comida rápida. Próxima ventanilla. Verá que pones a tu familia primero y tu salud tiende a caer en segundo o tercer lugar. <risa> y claro que verá que tienes el azúcar alto, igual que tu papá. En Kaiser Permanente trabajamos juntos para ver todo lo que tú eres y darte el cuidado que tú mereces. Kaiser Permanente, para todo lo que tú eres.